2: The Around the NFL Podcast is anything but milk toast.
3: Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL Podcast. My name is Dan is coming to you from a virtual room that is teeming with heroes. Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, Greg Rosenthal. What is up, boys? Hey, Dan. You know what it is flagship time it's the flagship program Sunday night where we recap every game that went down in the NFL and perhaps boys uh we should just celebrate that today even happened and maybe we should start looking at every one of these weeks as a gift because I know you know things looked uh we had one game moved um totally off the schedule this week Steelers Titans we had Cam Newton testing positive for COVID-19, leading to a postponement of Chiefs-Patriots. We had drama around the Saints uh, because of a false positive test that led to Saints players being woken up in the middle of the night last night ahead of a game to be tested. Uh, yeah, so this is in, continues COVID to intrude the landscape of the NFL, and it was, I mean, it spooked me this weekend, and I'm sure you guys felt the same.
4: Yeah, you have to worry what's the rest of the season going to be like. I mean, I know there's one person celebrating. That's Mark Sessler because he won some sandwiches off of it. But, uh, yeah, you, you do you do worry about buddy. what's coming up.
1: I actually lost with? sandwiches, Greg. I, I My sandwich prop, oh. which a lot of people... Cause maybe oh, that was ti- it. That's right. right typically, I think in the past I would have gone towards the angle of cancellations and movements. But I tried to... Um, Suggest oh. a positive sandwich. That's propping. right.
4: It was West that
3: was Wes rooting got for sandwiches. COVID. Yeah, that's right. Because you—that's what it was. Because you were putting us in the position to take the bet, and then we would essentially be rooting for a stoppage. Of some right. And, kind.
1: and Dan, you and Greg, and you know, I Going put, put that point, energy out there. Well, you were you—you you took a, a, a unusually pure um, take on it all. Sort of just—I <laughs> don't believe in that kind of sandwich. I do. I texted you guys. I do think that it probably goes down. And I'm not proud of this. It's one of the more evil. Um, energy sandwich props around because I don't want any of this. I'm with you. I when the new, when the Saints news hit last night, something in me felt just total darkness. It, and I'm I'm glad that that situation worked out, but it's it's just a reminder that it's like it's just a dice roll. It just felt like a dice roll going into this weekend.
5: I fight hard against cynicism and and, and I don't think I'm cynical at all. But I thought if you can get out of this with only a few canceled football games or postponed games, like as much as we've been facing in 2020, that's a big win.
3: I mean, not unless a we're talking to lose about a few
5: football games,
3: Wes, unless we're talking about the Cincinnati Reds offense, you are not a cynic. I, I agree with you.
5: <laughs> well, I mean, I believe that that was realism.
3: They, they hit
5: two, their batting average was two twelve this year. Give me a break.
3: <laughs> can't, can't do it. Can't have it. Won't have it. All right. 212. So
5: that
3: is, so that is the reality. Um, that this is not something that's going away. uh, And we just have to hope it doesn't get worse than it got this weekend. But staying on the positive side of things, we got nearly a full slate of games to talk about on Sunday. So that's what we're going to do here going through each one. And, Mark, I think we have history today. And I want you to just soak this up and really enjoy it because um, you and I both root for career loser franchises Um, But the one you root for is on the upswing. And I think in all the years that we've done this podcast, we're about to do something that we've never done before, which is lead with the Cleveland Browns. Whoa. So let's do it, Ricky.
2: Yeah. Three receivers tight off the line to the right. Beckham to the left. Here's Mayfield on a reverse. They're going to give it to Beckham. He's rolling to the right and running. He's up to the 50, to the 45, to the 40, 35, 30. There he goes to the 20, 15, 10, 5, touchdown! OBJ, he's got a hat trick! What a gutsy call! <laughs> Odell Beckham Jr., 50 yards on the run! And really about a 70-yard run because by the time he got it, he was 20 yards behind the line.
3: (laughs) He was 12 yards behind the line, but the point stands. Jim Donovan and Doug Deacon with a call for WKRK. Yes, Odell Beckham finished with his first three-score game in almost five years, capped by that 50-yard run on a reverse after the Cowboys had cut a 41-14 deficit to three points with less than four minutes to play. Beckham had five catches for 81 yards and two scores. In addition to that clinching run, final score, 49, 38 Browns nearly put up a 50 burger, uh, in Jarrow world. Mark, that was the Odell. The Browns thought they were getting when they traded for him 19 months ago.
1: Yeah. You know, it's, it feels like it's, it's taken so long to get that game, obviously from Odell Beckham. And there's so much pressure around it happening that it happened at the ideal time. Uh, you know, it, his first touchdown was trickery too, with Jarvis Landry unfurling a bullet downfield to, to Odell in the in, in the end zone. And that kind of was the theme to me. And it's and, and we've we've mentioned this during Cleveland's start, that the better players on this roster have stepped up and performed, which is really unusual. They've had they've had a couple name players throughout the years that have done the opposite. They come to Cleveland and their careers fizzle, but it's Jarvis Landry, it's Odell Beckham. Um, you know, Miles Garrett, his third straight game with a strip sack. I mean, the defense was a hot mess down the stretch, but Denzel Ward with the game-ending pick. And you've got Kareem Hunt coming in for an injured Nick Chubb um, And the running game, uh, thriving with guys like Dearness Johnson stepping in. You know, they had 300 yards on the ground. They had 200-something <laughs> versus the Bengals a couple weeks ago. Uh, you're playing a messy um, defense in, in Dallas, no questions about it. But, I mean, you went out and hammered them. And, you know, you can point to, I would say this, if you wanted to point to one way this game could have ended a little differently, Baker Mayfield missed a wide-open Odell Beckham mm. um, right in that same world where they needed to save the game. And it was third down, and Odell Beckham was streaking down the field. And Baker just got, he had to get rid of the pass, and he overthrew Odell. And maybe we we would be thinking about, Baker Mayfield a little differently in this game but his numbers are low and they're not they're just not leaning on him right now because they don't need to but he didn't throw an interception Uh, he didn't make a key mistake he's not the reason that they you know got, got decimated by the Dallas offense and Wes you pointed out this number I just think this is incredible through four weeks that Dak Prescott is on pace right now. No passer has ever crossed 5,500 5, yards. He is on pace for 6,760 yards right now. <laughs> These teams had nearly 600 yards of offense at halftime. And they're, and, and
3: they're an onside kick away from 0-4 for all those passing yards.
1: Uh, that's the thing. It's getting wasted by a defense that I think definitely misses um, someone like Leighton Van Der Esch. Uh, Jalen Smith is just not himself right now, and there are grumblings about this Mike Nolan defense, saying that it's too complicated. Um, It's not whatever it is; it is not working. I mean, it's it's the fourth straight game in a row, and you have to wonder how much longer, if you're Mike McCarthy, that you don't have. You know, you have to scapegoat Mike Nolan at some point, also because he's just simply not. Four games in. I'm not saying right now. I'm saying at some point, but I mean, how much worse can can it get? I, I do. I love the way that they called that Beckham reverse and score because I think it showed some guts on the part of Kevin Stefanski who is the first offensive play caller outside of the one brief season with Kyle Shanahan in Cleveland that maximizes these players so you know you don't have to wonder if they're going to show up I don't know if they can keep this up keep this kind of thing going but this was an impressive um, force your force the way you want to play right on the Cowboys and the Cowboys on defense did not have an answer
5: there's nobody walking through that door for the Cowboys. That's one reason why, even if Dak Prescott is not going to maintain this pace, he still has a very good chance to set the all-time record.
4: Hmm. Well, they're pl- the Browns are plus 8 in turnover margin the last two weeks, so that that's going to be tough to keep going. They, they turned it over 3-3. But the running game and the offensive line being great, and I think that's possible to keep it going the rest of the year. When you play the Steelers twice, that'll be tested. But there's no question right now that they are run-blocking when you can lose Chubb and it does, and you run for three hundred yards, forget about it. And McCarthy, by the way, deserves all the blame for hiring Nolan. I mean, it's not like you can like <laughs> take, like separate that out. Nolan was his coach, you know, on the O five Niners, and that's that's like his main decision. Um, and it's early, but you're you're the they have way too much talent. I know they're not the, the most talented defense, and I had some concerns. Um, But they still have some players on that side of the ball, and they they are right now among the worst in the league. There was definitely like a 15-minute stretch where I was convinced Cleveland was
1: going to lose, and it was right around a a point where they do I well, don't I mean, believe it. I, I never believed they were
3: going to win stops until literally. Tweeting Whenever
4: things start going well for the Browns, it's like the the second they get ahead, it's like, okay, no more talking about Wait, this. Wait, you point. weren't
3: sitting in your house today? Like as as the Dallas Cowboys put up 24 unanswered points in the fourth quarter, quarter being like, oh, this is okay. They'll be fine. They'll no, I never,
1: I never for a minute felt felt good about it. And I do, I do like watching Mike McCarthy on the sideline. I do think some of these coaches must love having to wear a mask because you can only imagine what the expression is for guys like him and Matt Patricia underneath the mask on on what I'm watching. That It's like, thank God no one can see the look of complete beguilement on
3: my face. Uh, That's that's what superstars do. And I've been as hard on Odell Beckham as anybody going back to his Giants days uh, because for all his talent, it really hasn't shown up as often in years now. And this was like a turn back the clock performance where, because you knew his physical skills are all there. It's just a matter of, I guess, putting it together and having uh, the right setup to succeed. And he bailed out the entire team in this game. There was a shot after uh, the Cowboys pulled it to 40, what was it, 41, 38. Uh, After the two-point conversion, the Dak press got run They cut to the sideline. I don't know who the Browns players were, but they had this look on their face like, oh my God, we're going to lose. That's it. This is a nightmare. We're going to be the laughing stock of the league. And you cut to the terrible pooch kick, whatever that was on the ensuing kickoff. And then the Odell play bailed the whole team out, including Baker, because that was a terrible miss down the left sideline. And exactly the type of plays that, lead to collapses for teams where you're like, okay, would have been fine if he just hits the wide open guy and the and the quarterback takes he he takes the heat off Baker. He takes the heat off the defense. So Odell deserves a lot of credit for that. And Mark, the Browns are three and one. Three and one Mark.
1: Well and I hope it's a, a legit three and one. I think the I would rather be a team that's you know running the ball the way they are than freaky finishes.
3: All right, let's keep moving. Back to Josh Allen. They'll try to build on a seven point lead.
2: Allen taking a shot. Up in the air it is caught dropping a dime and digs with a stroke of genius
3: it's <laughs> Bero with the call for CBS you know I'm not saying he's Randy Moss because he's not but I don't remember another wide receiver acquisition that has paid immediate dividends like Stefan Diggs to the Bills since Moss joined the Pats to set records in 2007 with Tom Brady. Uh, You heard there, a 49-yard catch coming off a turnover, sets up the clinching score for the Bills, 30-23 win over the Raiders at the Death Star, as they call it. Uh, The Raiders added a a garbage-time score here, but don't be fooled by the final tally. The two teams played competitively in the first half, but the Bills dominated in the second half, and now they're 4-0 as a result and um Josh Allen puts the finishing touches on a stellar first quarter of a season three more touchdowns two passing uh this time you know he didn't have any of the head scratching mistakes mixed in it was really solid effort he got came down awkwardly on his left shoulder that uh obviously led to some nervous moments for bills fans but he uh, came right back on the field at the end of the first half and finish the game. He's playing just incredibly well. So there's nothing about the Bills 4-0 start that leaves me thinking, hmm, are they for real, though? I think the Bills absolutely are for real. And like we said in the Thursday preview show, um, Wes, that Allen hasn't just taken one step. I feel like he's taken three steps, and you add him with Diggs, with this defense, with this coaching, and you have a Super Bowl contender.
5: It's one of the most incredible metamorphoses we've ever seen at that position. You mentioned the decision-making. Look how many things he's changed from last year to this year, and he improved from the previous year already, but the decision-making, he had to improve touch. He's done that. He had to improve accuracy and ball placement. He's done that. The, the degree of separation these receivers are getting sometimes is minuscule, and he's putting it right on the money. These were all issues he had to solve, and he's solving them in addition to what you say, that having a guy like Diggs on top of their other moves hitting, too. Cole Beasley was a big hit. Smokey Brown was a big hit. I mean, everything is going right, and it's fun to see.
4: Brown's catch in this game uh, near the goal line was ridiculous. I mean, Diggs had a ridiculous catch. Uh, Every one of their receivers, really, you go down the list, like made an incredible play. I thought this was Allen's best game. Because his accuracy was so good. I thought it was his best day just throwing the ball. Because you're right, Wes. I think in other weeks they did have a lot of separation. In this one, they're actually, the receivers weren't that open and he was completing, uh, tough passes. They're an Arena League team right now. I mean, they're going to score 30, and if they can get a couple plays defensively, and today it came from Josh Norman forced to fumble, and Ed Oliver got a, a fourth down stop, and Quentin Jefferson got, got a strip sack in the second half, then that's all they need. And the concern, though, Dan, is their defense is bad. I mean, there wasn't a stop in this game until five minutes left in the third quarter, and the Raiders were the first team to make a stop. So the, the history tells you McDermott will coach them up, um, but they're they're not playing well on defense, considering how many people were out for the Raiders. I actually thought well, they were coaching it up pretty well, but they've just made a lot of mental errors the Raiders I, I have mean, uh, in big spots. I wouldn't say
3: they were dominant by any stretch on defense. No, but, they, did, but they, they, they literally
4: didn't get a stop until almost the fourth
3: quarter. All right, but it was 30 to 16 with a minute and a half to play. So they they were okay. It wasn't a – and if you look at their numbers, they've struggled in the second half this season. They're not getting to the quarterback a lot. I agree with your point overall. But I thought they were in total control of this game by the midway through the third quarter.
1: I wonder, like Brandon Bean to me, I mean, he's the guy that, A, he goes and finds someone like uh, Gabe Davis, who also at wide receiver. You've got a whole other player that's starting to become a big part of the offense and made a great catch today. Brandon Bean's the guy that said, I'm going to roll the dice with Josh Allen. And and that was a player that completely divided the scouting community and coaches and everyone else. And the same way that when you get Russell Wilson changes, what we think about uh, shorter play callers. I mean, Josh Allen stands out as a really unusual type of player, but maybe it leads to more um, Uber athletes like that that need more polish, getting getting a higher look in the draft. Because... You know, it's not crazy to think that a player can grow between years two and three, and three and four. I mean, the jump is astounding. But Mm -hmm. I mean, it's the coaching around him. It's Josh Allen putting in the time. But I mean, he fits so well. All these pieces fit so well together. And I just think Brandon Bean is like is, is a big reason why some of this is happening.
4: It's so satisfying to have like supported this guy Josh Allen all along, and then yeah. West lock him up today. Absolutely, and he great. just backs us. up. It's just great to be part of the Bills <laughs> mafia and see this coming from from a mile
3: away. It, I'm very um, connected, and it's a very personal thing. The 2018 draft class for me, because I root for a Sar- Sam Darnold team, and it did get me thinking last on Thursday night during another depressing uh, Jets Darnold game that what would happen if Josh Allen. Was on the Jets. What if he went to the Ace Jets? would have ruined any one of them, I think. Right. And this is to take nothing away from Josh Allen, but more to make a greater point about like, this is a big part of football and success is landing in the right place, which these players have no control over. Josh Allen was fortunate to land with the Bills team that was just on the rise. Uh, and he is, you know, reaping the benefits of that. All right. Let's move.
2: Play action fake, dropping Brady, looks toward the end zone, Brady throws toward O.J. Howard, makes the catch, touchdown Tampa Bay, fire them cannons, O.J. on the run, Standy Post, it's six for the (laughs) Bucs.
3: We don't need to say O.J. on the run ever again. We just retire (laughs) O.J. on the run. Uh, Talking about football players. Uh, Unfortunately, O.J.'s not going to be running for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers anymore this season. Uh, he suffered an Achilles injury in this game, but not before he caught that 28-yard touchdown pass from Tom Brady. That was, by the way, Gene Deckerhoff of WFUS. Brady threw for 369 yards and five touchdowns, each to a different receiver, helping the Bucks shake off a 17-point early deficit and beat the Chargers 38-31. That's three straight wins. For the Bucks after their season-opening loss against the Saints, Mike Evans, Scotty Miller, Howard, Cameron Brate, Keshawn Vaughn, all scored uh, on Brady touchdown passes. Greg, I don't remember seeing this version of TB12 uh, during his Patriots swan song in 2019.
4: Yeah. Yeah, how do you mean? Like a vertical game, or just what? like
3: shredding? You know, filling up a box score and just going nuts yeah. uh, statistically in the game.
4: Not not since like the twenty eighteen AFC Championship. You're right. Uh, he is on the perfect team because he can go through big slumps. I don't think the Bucks' offense has played well this season. I don't think their passing game has been really any better than it was a year ago. He he struggled for the first half of this game. It had about ninety yards, I think, in his first twenty attempts. Mm. And they they were trailing 24-7. And Joshua Kelly, as they're just trying to run the ball out to end the half, the Bucs didn't have the timeouts to stop it. They're up 24-7. They're going into after him. He fumbles the ball right near his own goal line. And then after that, you're right. It was the Brady that you wanted to see in Tampa. I th- I think after that, it was TD, TD. TD field goal field goal field goal something like that where they did not get a stop uh, the rest of the entire game and they were and they were going bombs away it was it was Bruce Arians. And I don't even know if Tom Brady was the best quarterback in this game. That's how good Justin Herbert's been. But when you're three and one, and you finally get a week where the offense is the one that picks up the team, which was absolutely the case in the second half, that that's good for the Bucks because they're winning games, and I feel like they can get a lot better than they actually have been so far.
1: Well, I'll let Wes um, wax poetic on Justin Herbert, who I you know I know I can tell he has um, Wes's attention. But it was Arians who said after the game that he said, honestly, had this been last year, we would have gotten our butts beat, and butts was a different word that he used by 20 points so i don't like maybe the offense was better last year in some ways but they're going to grow and i mean they're in much better they're in a much better hands with tom brady at the head of the thing than than Jameis winston
5: oh we saw a a jenga piece get taken out in action today with austin eckler boy the change in that offense with him in Mm -hmm. there in short yardage situations in two minute drill situations their ability to play situational football went out the door when when Eckler got hurt, and, and that really hurt them. But Justin Herbert is so fun to watch. I don't go into these Sundays planning to watch the Chargers, and then you catch a couple of plays here, a series there, and you find yourself being pulled in by Justin Herbert and his playing style. The way he, the way he beats blitzes not by you know the hot read five yards away, but by going over the top for forty yards and just not being afraid to attack defenses.
4: He's the story. They've lost three straight games, and somehow he's the story. He was so incredible in this game, and he threw an interception with a chance to go tie it down seven late. Before that, he had played almost perfect. The deep ball, the touch. His running backs went 16 for 20. Uh, 16 carries for 20 yards after Eckler got hurt. He's playing without 11 starters right now in the Chargers. I mean, they they are so banged up. Uh, Jalen Guyton, Tyler Johnson, Don Parham, Chicken Parm. I don't know what's going on. Like guys that you just don't know are making big plays for them, and a lot of it is just Herbert is so athletic, um, but has been really accurate for the most part too. And uh, he, you're, I'm with you, Wes. He has been so fun to watch. They, they, they their injuries I think have ruined their season, um, but Herbert at this point has given them so much uh, hope for the future and what's a better what's better
1: to see than the fact that he's making plays with these no-namers versus you know like completely you know They're- we have to wait a year to find out what he is
4: it kills them though because they wanted their defense to carry them and it's just not going to happen now they- they've just lost too many players and i don't know if bosa was on the injury report he was totally erased today the bucks O line played great hey, today uh yeah give
5: tristan worth some credit he's turned out yeah. to be if four games mean anything that's a home run draft pick
3: and Justin Herbert was another guy like Josh Allen. I remember we were at the Combine, and someone that is very well respected in that game, that uh, pre-draft game, was like, oh, yeah, I don't like Herbert. He's the only guy I don't like. He was very divisive. I uh, didn't like him, yeah. Sure enough, the guy comes out of the gate like a mad bomber. He's been a lot of fun mm. to watch. Looking forward to
4: feel for uh, them. checking that out. They've
3: lost every game by one score
4: so far. Very chargers mm. of them. All right, yep. let's move on.
2: Handoff goes inside to Latavius Murray, looking for a seam. Touchdown, Latavius Murray! Saints get great push again. Always a good sign when you see your guard
3: standing up in the end zone, and Latavius Murray puts his pads down and just drives
2: a hole through that defense. And from six yards out, Latavius Murray with his second touchdown of the day.
3: Zach Streif with a call, WWL. Yeah, the Saints rode that COVID-19 roller coaster this weekend, came out smiling on the other side. Latavius Murray's six-yard score was the final of five consecutive touchdowns for the Saints, who wiped out an early two-touchdown deficit in the 35-29 win over the Lions. Uh, As I said at the top of the show, Saints fullback Michael Burton had a false positive test for the coronavirus on Saturday, leading to another round of tests for players and staff overnight in Detroit. Burton said, just a lot of emotions going on because you never want to be a distraction. They had to wake up other guys and test them. Factoring in the background noise, the absence of multiple members in the secondary, of course, Michael Thomas, that's a nice win for the Saints, wasn't it, Mr. Sessler?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's they overcame a lot. You mentioned it. I think Sean Payton, all these coaches have to say... You know, this season, when it comes to COVID, we just have to nod and accept any scenarios. But you know, there used to be the old thing where uh, you know rowdy denizens of a town would go pull the fire alarm in the visiting team's hotel. But this this is a whole different deal when it's attached to something that could be grave or cancel the game in general. And they got down fourteen nothing, and it was a very Lions ish game on that front too, because they get down fourteen nothing, and at that point in the, in the in the second Lions touchdown came off a breeze picked or a tipped pass that wound up as an interception. Uh, Then, though, New Orleans, minus many starters, got on a tear because they went on five straight touchdown drives, 35 unanswered points. They weren't quirky, either. Four of those drives went for more than 75 yards. And... We all get where Drew Brees is at at this point, and he still, to me, has a little bit of a thousand-yard stare. Where I think he kind of gets where he's at too, but <laughs> he was more effective in this game. Uh, he he looked different than he had in weeks past. He was deadly accurate on intermediate routes. Um, I think Next Gen Stats had him at, let me find it here. Well, next-gen stats liked what he did on intermediate routes. Really I, good. That, he was really good. Um, just slice that in.
4: Good at football. <laughs> he was really good.
1: But it's you know what was good to see was, like, e- Emmanuel Sanders stepping up. Traquan Smith, who looked like he was going to get knocked out of the game with an injury at one point, made some great catches in this. So they got enough from Justin, just the right people. Alvin Kamara helped him out. This game also was a scoregami, which is one of those um, unique NFL scores that have never occurred before, and that is the one thousand and fifty seventh scoring combination in the NFL. That kind of stuff I like. Um, as for the Lions, t- they look the same to me on offense every week.
3: Scoregami,
1: stupid. It's like you're leaning on. I like Adrian Peterson is still good. Okay, but like. This offense, this no offense, should be centered around Adrian Peterson right now, and they get a few plays from Kenny Galladay, and they, they, they're trying to. You know, T.J. Hawkinson is becoming a little bit of a thing, but Matt Patricia, come on, dude. I mean, like this is the same thing every week. You get up by double digits, you get, you let it all go, and I mean, this this was ripe for the picking. Had they just, you know, hung on, to, hung on to it, and the, the Saints were a little. They, they were, they were, they just had, to me, better coached. They lean on better depth. And they came up in a game where there would have been all the excuses to to crumble here. You could have pointed to eight or nine different things, and they come out with the win.
4: I mean, they've I lost. The Lions out. have lost six straight, leading by double digits. Coaching. There's, there's there's obviously maybe this shouldn't be obvious, but there's never been an NFL team to do that. I mean that it's <laughs> it's, it's outrageous. They're heading into a bye week. I, I mentioned the Bucks scored four touchdowns in a row. You said it. The the Saints did five in a row. I mean. I don't know. It's a new Ford owning the team right now. You don't know if she's going to jump in and, and want to make a big splash in, in week f- four. What's what's really the point? But it's ugly.
5: I think Kamara's back to being the number one running back in the league, and I don't even know he if there's great. anybody close. He
2: looks great. Woo-wee.
3: Well, you've ah. embraced Mark Fantasy in, in a way that none of us could have expected this year, so I'm sure you know that he has lapped the field uh, against other running backs in terms of fantasy scoring because he is, especially with Michael Thomas, out of the lineup. And hopefully that won't be too much longer now. He he seems to be on track to play this week, and then over the weekend he was uh, ruled out. But he has been a major part of the passing game. And I, I, you know, we'll see. We'll see where they are at the end of the season. But, Wes, I know you've been very big on Drew Brees and the arm strength and... And all that, but am I going to be stunned if they end up as a top ten offense according to various metrics? I won't be. So I think they'll end here. up top
5: ten. To me, to me, they'll be top ten. But then, in big moments against a better defense, you, are you? We know the quarterback's limited. He has been for a couple of years. This offense goes through Kamara and Thomas, not the quarterback.
3: I'd love to have a great regular season offense to root for. It's like last
5: year
1: they lost Breeze and Teddy came in and he was Teddy. And they they showed again that they're very resilient. They can win with depth and backups. But now they look kind of like the Teddy Bridgewater offense with Drew Breeze, at quarterback to me.
4: Hmm. Big win.
3: Let's move.
2: Rivers upfield field throws to Mo Alley Cox. Yes. And he barrels forward across the goal line. Touchdown, Mo Alley Cox.
3: Mm, Matt Ta- Taylor, WFNI, with the call. Mo Alley Cox is having a breakout season with the big score. Uh, Julian Blackman's interception of Nick Foles is a killer for the Bears quarterback, who struggled to move the offense in his first start since replacing Mitch Trubisky. Final score 19 to 11. Colts over the Bears at Soldier Field. Wes, Indy has been winning with their defense so far this season. More of the same on Sunday, it looks like.
5: Well, I think they're, you know how the Cowboys struggle at all three levels of their defense? I think the Colts really do well at all three levels. DeForest Buckner had another dominant game. Darius Leonard got injured, but he's been there at linebacker, Justin Houston at linebacker. And then this Julian Blackman that they drafted in the third round came in for Malik Hooker Uh, in week two and has been an upgrade he this guy is a natural ball hawk Uh, he and Xavier Rhodes both playing great in the secondary and if a team like the Steelers is sort of like sharks with chum in the water I think the Colts defense is more like a a constrictor like a a, like a python they just suffocate you they squeeze the life (laughs) out of you and they did it again today and if you know um, Fools said this week Frank Reich's the guy who made him a player. It reminded me sort of like an old-school dad saying, I brought you into this world and I'll take you out too because uh, (laughs) Frank Reich's defense knew how to stop Nick Foles. Mm. Well, and on that
1: front, Wes, it was Blackman who said that Frank Reich prepared their defense so well for Foles. So, you know, it it bit them too, and it's just – You know, I think this this game also squeezed the life out of some viewers, according to Dan's reaction to what he watched. Oh, my God.
3: Yeah, I said on Twitter that one day I'll tell my grandchildren uh, that this game was the most bored I ever was. I I couldn't. I had it on my (laughs) secondary screen, and apparently we're going to get to a game later that a lot of people are coming back with saying even worse. But then it led to kind of a fun thread where people started sending me some box scores of other super boring games in recent NFL history. (laughs) <laughs> going back years. Uh, everybody has them. Uh, they stick to your mind when they're truly wretchedly boring for whatever reason. And this one was that way for me.
4: Colts have been boring for three weeks. Winning boring. 12, I guess that that's fine. They're going to play some real offenses. These are two of the only teams in the league where I think you can look at and say like, oh, they have defenses. Like I, I It feels like there's only like six or seven defenses at most. And these are two of them. But is there, uh, Wes? You watched it. What's your level of panic um, with Ty Hilton? Because Ty Hilton's really so. One day, I said that him. he retired three weeks ago.
5: I thought he actually played really well today. Uh, he had one 50-50 ball. He came down with. I think he. Uh, I think he brought another penalty. Um, but he, I thought he played well today. But I did identify the Colts' fatal flaw this year.
3: Ooh, what is it?
5: It's the red zone offense, and if you look at. Look at the pickle that Josh Allen puts defenses in, in the red zone, the way he can take a quarterback draw, he can take a rollout, um, he can squeeze passes into tight windows. How many of those things can Phillip Rivers do? <laughs> he can't beat you with his legs, and he can't squeeze passes into tight windows, so what does that leave you in the red zone? This is a struggling offense down there.
3: Hey, Philip Rivers, what uh, do you say to the red zone struggles that your team has faced? Does it bother you though?
2: Aggravates the stew out of me.
3: Oh yeah, I get it. I feel that. I feel it, man. I there was one play, Wes. I tweeted about it, and then you replied. And whenever Wes replies to something, I tweet from an analysis standpoint, and he agrees with me. I feel good about it. <laughs> um, it was they were in the red zone, and you know the pocket collapsed. No one's open. He goes to escape. He's so slow. Oh my god! I mean, he is. I would think that Brady might even be faster than him. Like late period Eli Manning's got him beat. He just moves in slow motion, so there is no adding extra, you know, stealing yards and turning, you know, Josh Allen type theatrics out on the Colts offense. I mean, they we, need to be more precise. We have a
1: term for that, and I think Joe Flacco helped us get there, which is Stone Age Pony. And I mean Rivers can <laughs> still do some some things well, but you know, dancing around nimbly is not one of those I mean, things.
4: He, he was one of the slowest quarterbacks, I think. Um the day he entered the league. And he's been playing in the and 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 at no point. I think he's maybe been the slowest quarterback in the league the whole time he's been in it. And now it's sixteen years in. That's it's not going to be any faster.
3: It's like David Ortiz trying to score from first on a double in two thousand seventeen. At a certain point it almost becomes a story when someone gets that slow. But it's fun. It's fun. It makes us relate to the men. You know, sometimes Wes you know trying to score from first with the shield, you know, we were popping hamstrings. Trying to get around the bases. Oh,
5: snapping like dry twigs.
2: <laughs> Golly.
3: All right, let's move on.
2: Jackson will keep it on the read option. He's got a hole 40. Leg race 30. He's going to go 20, 10, 5, Turns Lamar out if you don't Jackson do a dead spin for like Ravens. four years
3: and then you run to first base, sometimes your leg implodes.
5: <laughs> but you really wanted that bag. <laughs> All
3: right, that was um, Jerry Sandusky with the call WBAL. Lamar Jackson ran. For a 50-yard touchdown. His his career long, which surprised me. I thought he might have had like a 99-yarder in there uh, at some point since he was a rookie. And he threw for two scores as well in a bounce-back performance by the reigning NFL MVP and the Ravens as a whole. They take control early against the Washington football team and uh, coast to a 31-17 win. Coming off a humbling loss, obviously, to Kansas City on Monday night. But this Baltimore team, this is the team... That does massive damage during the regular season. You could see it, like you could see how their their sphincters tightened up on Monday night. Uh, but when things go in the opposite way, they play so loose and they play so confidently uh, that you understand why things go right for them. You know, like Sam Koch's 15 yard completion on fourth and nine on a fake punt throw. Like I don't think. John Harbaugh had the onions to pull that on Monday night. I thought that they were tight as a team. Uh, but when you're playing Washington, this is when the Ravens look absolutely uh, impossible to, to beat. Uh, I I will say that uh, the defense, you would have thought they ap- would absolutely have their way with Dwayne Haskins, but that wasn't quite the case. Haskins actually threw for a career high 314 yards, but a lot of it was check downs and Antonio Gibson doing the hard work uh, for Haskins and a deep ball late in garbage time. Uh, Wes, to your boy, the star wide receiver whose name I'm forgetting. Scary for some reason Scary Terry. Scary Terry McLaurin. Um, so don't put too much stock into the yardage by Washington. They weren't competitive. And there was one play in particular, um, a fourth and goal early in the fourth quarter. It's a two score game where Haskins locks on a guy in the flat uh, and throws about nine yards short of the end zone. And uh, the guy gets pushed out of bounds because three guys were converging on him as he caught the ball. And they cut as as CBS or as Fox goes to break, or CBS it was, you see Ron Rivera turn his back to the camera and just like stalk back to the bench. And I don't know, he could have been doing or saying any number of things, but I'm wondering if what's going on in his head is like, this guy doesn't even know that he needs to throw to the end zone on this play. The game's well, over after that play. There, uh, were,
1: there were reports before the game that they were that Ian Rappaport reported they were going to pull Haskins if he struggled. And he opened with a punt, a turnover, and a punt. So I wonder how close they came hmm. to yanking him before they missed a field goal and then scored. You know, then they then it, he picked it up a little bit, but. Yeah, the Powell turnover wasn't like on God. him.
3: The turnover was a forced fumble by Marlon Humphreys that led to a touchdown. But yeah, Haskins, it was like a C performance that probably will keep him in the lineup. But again, you know, keep an eye on that situation.
4: It's tough for the Ravens because you compare him to last year. And and I'm happy um, to hear you say, Dan, you thought it was dominant because I, I looked at this starting the game and I. And I just am comparing it to this team that was historic. And I think, wow, you, you come out against Washington, you punt two of the first three possessions, mm. and then you need a fake punt to score on the next one. And Lamar's thrown a, an interception right before halftime. And the yardage is pretty close, you know, throughout. And it, it's almost unfair because you're comparing them to that offense. But it, like last year, it feels like in this game, they they go 45 on you. you know, yeah, they probably. Re, they go, I mean, it was no.
3: dominant in the sense of like, This game was never in doubt, and they took care of business. But this wasn't the type of Ravens performance we became became accustomed to last year. That's fair. Any other questions about this game? I don't know what's going to happen with the quarterback situation, but that was a get-right game for Lamar Jackson. And uh, I assume they will continue to um, get right next week against Cincinnati. It's so
4: weird that Washington's tied for, you know, it pending the result of the Sunday night game. We taped this a little earlier. It's like Washington's, you know, right in the mix.
1: I mean, that's, <laughs> you know,
4: one and three.
3: If someone's going
1: to win the division going 5-11, and 11. maybe they'll still be in the mix you know, in December. But I'm just kidding. It's ugly.
3: By the way, the Ravens lead the NFL in points off turnovers this season with 38. So they, they do that. They still do a bunch of things well. I think it was a, a bump in the road on Monday night, and it's one that could cost them, as we talked about with playoff positioning. Uh, but they'll continue to beat up all these teams that are beneath them. The Ravens are going to be okay. Let's move on
0: first Actively win
2: reviewed. as the runner went to the ground the ball hit the ground and moved it's an incomplete pass thank you it's first down minnesota at the 5 yard line ball game 31-23 bikes are in the win
3: column <laughs> that's the best we could do on the for the call here
4: <laughs> i heard it that was it i mean that won the game that was the
3: type of ending that the vikings got I think we're going to have to uh, enhance the vetting process starting in week five on these calls. I mean, that's, this is what type of game it was. P- Paul Allen with the call for KFAN. Uh, Mike Zimmer, struggling D, got the stop it needed, as you just heard. And Dalvin Cook ran for 130 yards and two touchdowns for the Vikings, who beat the Texans 31-23. to Greg, the roadkill game has produced the expected result. One team lives to fight another day. And one team, the one coached by Bill O'Brien, is headed to the NFL's equivalent of the pet cemetery.
4: They are in a division where the Colts are three and one, the Titans are three and zero. You know the the Texans are zero and four, and the Dolphins have their first two picks next year. And I thought that call oh. was perfect, Dan. I'm going to argue for it because neither team left this, I think, feeling so good. I mean, the, the, call, the game ended on an overturned call of Will Fuller in the end zone. David Johnson was half a yard short of of, tie, of you know giving them the Texans a chance to go for a two-point conversion. What would have been a big time collapse by the Vikings defense. They have the ball half a yard short on second down. then Johnson fumbles it on a pitch. Uh, and they eventually get it to Fuller, who you think maybe was gonna like make an amazing play, and they overturn it on review. And it's just like that reaction to me from the Vikings is almost perfect because it's like, well, we gotta win, you know. <laughs> that's that's it. That's all we got. Wes is giving me the thumbs down.
5: The, the whole sequence. It's so bad. Spice it up.
1: You know, to just... your point, Greg. Like, there's a, a friend of mine named Eric who is a longtime listener to this show. He listens to every episode, and he's a Vikings hardcore fan. And he said. Here is my takeaway from the game, that Mike Zimmer and Gary Kubiak should be in totally hot water despite the win. Hmm. That the well, team Kubiak? feels like it's floating. I, well, I mean, you know, we're looking at the season on whole, but that this is this is a team headed in the wrong direction no matter what happened today against a lost Texans team.
2: Well, wait, defensively... No, 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 wait, they won today. They're going right. in the right direction. Yeah. They won.
4: Defensively, it's absolutely true, and I don't know if they're going to be able to fix it. Daniel Hunter might be out half the season. We'll, we'll see. Offensively... I think they have a lot to be excited about the last two weeks. Their offense has played very well um, the last two weeks, especially today. Today was even better. Uh, Kirk Cousins had a really good day. Justin Jefferson, they found something. I, I know it doesn't feel like the Stefan Diggs trade was we'll a play. win-win, but you did get a, a bunch of picks, a lot of picks. Yeah. And you drafted Justin Jefferson, and man, he looked awesome today. Uh, Dalvin Cook is running You know, I know Alvin Kamara has been the best running back, but the last two weeks, Dalvin Cook has broken a tackle almost every single run. And that zone running scheme that Kubiak is, you know, brought to bring in, it's taken hold because they're running against eight man boxes, and it's the angles that they're running is are beating those boxes. So I I think their offense has some good things to feel good about, but but the defense probably is not going to like allow them to make the playoffs. It's enough.
2: Something. I, at, I just want to check
3: out this um, this Viking up, upcoming schedule. We'll see what's going on here. <laughs> at Seattle on Sunday night next week. Ooh, Tough spot. Home versus Falcons at Green Bay. Home versus Lions at Bears. Okay. I mean, they're probably going to have to figure out a way to go. you got to beat the Packers green and Bears. Green one there
4: you got to beat the Packers and Bears and, or, or else uh, you're in trouble. That, that ending, though, it, it was unfortunate. Deshaun Watson cooked in the second half, but he, but he really struggled in the first. But I, I just want to point out how bad this Texans defense is. They don't have a turnover this year. And they're just like fatally – they don't have a turnover. Still. J- I don't know if J.J. Watts hurt. Um, he was on the injury report earlier this season, but Uh-oh. he wasn't this week. Uh, he hasn't played every snap like he normally does, and he, he certainly um, you know, hasn't made big plays, but they're so slow. This is such a slow defense, and and you have two inside linebackers playing every down. Zach Cunningham can't cover, and Bernardrick McKinney, they're one of the worst rush defenses, if not the worst in the league, and they just are beating them to the outside. They're just so slow, and so it just feels like a fatal construction of this <laughs> well, entire they're both defense.
5: Up <laughs> their slow years. What? They're both locked right. up through their slow years. They're both locked up through their slow years.
4: Well, they're gonna cut. Yeah, they're gonna cut McKinney. I think after this year, but I I don't see how this defense figures it out. It's just it's ugly. Who's the I do not, Don't
1: try to convince me to start believing in the Vikings this season. I'm just not gonna do oh, it. No, I wasn't, wrong I wasn't not, going
4: right? there. I was just defending Kubiak because I think you can absolutely see um, some good things about their offense the last two weeks. That's all. But the team does not look great.
3: Ty Hilton, J.J. Watt, A.J. Green. Superstar Club is gonna to have to make some mm. painful decisions.
4: <laughs> you know, Watts started the season pretty good, so I, I'm yeah. I'm I'm leaving some room here. But the last two weeks have been tough.
0: All right, let's move on. Jones has his Giants at the line. Has the snap? Steps up right at the twenty. He fires to the
2: five. It is intercepted. Darius Williams, a diving interception to clinch it. With 52 seconds remaining. First down. He had the diving pick in Philadelphia in the end zone. And here at SoFi Stadium, he does it again.
3: There he is, Elite Mench. There you go, Greg. J.B. Long, KSPN with the call. Big interception there of Danny Dimes. And Jared Goff hit Cooper Cup earlier in the quarter on a 55-yard touchdown that allowed the Rams to grind it out, 17-9, over the Giants. And, Mark, the only thing that people are ever going to remember about this game is the Jalen Ramsey-Golden Tate brawl postgame. It's the only thing anybody's going to talk about because it's highly salacious, it's a family matter, and it spilled out into the public forum on Sunday.
1: Yeah, and it's uh, you can go look up what the Family Matter is if you if you'd like. Um, I'll tell you. So,
3: uh, well, I'll Tate, tell you. How about I'll tell you? Yeah, like, I mean, go
1: basically, <laughs> Golden Tate. Is, I can't
3: even dignify
2: bringing it well, up on our podcast. Well, because pod, that's now. coming because we were <laughs> told by private. email.
1: No, we were told by email not to dig into it. But who, like, I'm sure no one's listening to this thing. So basically, like, Golden Tate's sister was with Jalen Ramsey, and when she was, um,
3: Mark's spilling tea right now.
1: Well probably I won't be on the show anymore it's like because we you know we we can't possibly follow the rules of nfl.com but there was an issue between these two because Jalen Ramsey basically walked away from Golden Tate's sister while she was pregnant to be with Oof. what they're describing as a Las Vegas dancer oh. um, i don't i don't think that means like a You know, up on stage. Like Like a showgirl? Yeah, I think it's it's probably more in that world. But beyond that, um, they've had bad blood for... It's been going on for a while. They have not encountered each other on the field. Today they did. And it's interesting that the play of the game... Because, Dan, this is probably the game that many people were writing to you saying, Yes, it was. This was the most boring game people had witnessed. And I'm sure, you know, in the, in the league offices, they're thinking, How special that we finally get to have Los Angeles and New York, our two special markets, clash on the, in a four, <laughs> four o'clock spot. And it was making people's eyes bleed. So, you know. Bills
3: fans are like, Actually, it's New Jersey. <laughs> Enough. Right. We get it, Western New York. You're the only New York team. Stop exactly. hitting me up on Twitter. We get the- it.
1: This the Rams were in an absolute stupor and it was 10 to 9 with about 10 minutes to go and the Giants were basically they were they were looking better on the ground than Los Angeles and they were moving the ball and that is when Jalen Ramsey slammed Golden Tate down on a third down catch that basically gave Goff and the offense one more shot to kind of turn this thing around and that's when the Cooper Cup catch happened and you know then the Rams had another chance to come out and they had a three and oh so like they never really got it together and I kind of look at it I don't even it doesn't really change what I think about the Rams that much because I think that good teams are going to have one of these games a year where it's like you just they were in a total funk the entire time These teams were bickering the whole time, though. Aaron Donald got into a fight with someone. There was Mm. stuff on the sideline. Then this thing erupted at the end. So I wonder if it just... It was a really ugly, ugly game. And one where, if you're the Rams, I'd want to see why that was, but... I wouldn't take too much out of it, other than the fact that I would always be suspicious when, like, on our show on, on Thursday, we all kind of, like, ticketed this as a Rams blowout. And then on Friday, I was watching some shows, and the and the predictions for the Rams blowouts were getting bigger and bigger. Like, they're just going to take New York out 38-7, to 48-7. Like, then we know it's not going to happen, and it didn't. And the Giants, like, their defense, for the fact that I would imagine most people couldn't name three people on that defense— they were frisky in this game, and you can kind of see the makings of something happening on that side of the ball. But the offense lacks any direction right now. I mean, they're just—it's—they're a messy team.
3: Hmm. I am um, obviously from New York, and many of my friends growing up are Giants fans. And there has been a sea change uh, on text around Danny Dimes. Very quickly, uh, they're starting to turn on the young passer, and in general, on the Giants and. Dave Gettleman and and they're getting psyched up about the idea of Trevor Lawrence and being in that hunt uh, tank for Trevor. Uh, It is you know if you take out that first half of Week One on Monday night uh, and you actually go all the way through and midway through the third quarter against the Steelers where he had that ninety five yard drive that ended with the interception. From that interception on, Jones has been kind of a mess, and that is uh, that's probably. The final nail in the coffin of that—that's true. But the only thing, if you go watch this this game, take—I mean, he's not uh, well protected, and there were times when Jared
1: Goff didn't look well today because he was not well protected. And so, you know, it's systemic; it's what's around him, and you've lost Saquon Barkley, the heart and soul of your offense. And you know, Jones creates a lot of his own problems. We know that, but there were there were certain plays where like everything was crumbling around him, and it's like young quarterbacks typically are not going to survive in that atmosphere to, to begin with.
5: That's. I thought Dan, that was a harsh assessment, and I, I think the the offense has been crumbling around him the entire season. The offensive line's been terrible, historically bad rushing attack. Um, they only moved the ball the previous week on, on design quarterback runs. I mean, it was. He's got a lot on his plate. I, I do think it's been crumbling around him.
4: But it's it. it I mean, they it combined for less yards than uh you know, the Cowboys had these two teams. I mean, the Rams had 240 yards. That's one of the most surprising things uh, of the week. But I'm with you, Mark. I, I think when, with these seasons, in general with the NFL, it's like, okay, one week, you just give them a mulligan. Two weeks is a trend, and then, and then you see what's happening. They're 3-1. They're and one. They, they, These NFC West teams, and we're going to get to one that, that hasn't done a good job of it. They have favorable out-of-division schedules, so they have to take advantage when they're playing the cream
3: puffs. Uh, and, you know, they did it enough today. Let's check in with another undefeated team in our league.
2: Rush, Russ looks right side. Got a man in the end zone, reaching up, making the catch, David Moore. Is he in for the touchdown? He is, David Moore.
3: Man, David Moore is another guy they have. That's Steve Rabel, K-I-R-O, with the call. He had three catches for 95 yards, including that game-clinching touchdown for the Seahawks in a 31-23 to win over the Dolphins. And uh, this game was closer than the desert anticipated, uh, but not for the reasons that... I thought it would be a close game, too. We talked about it on Thursday, but I thought it would be more of a high-scoring game with Seattle's defense continuing to struggle. Uh, but there was progress for Seattle's defense in this game. Uh, they delivered a much better performance here. They actually kept... Miami out of the end zone until the game's final minutes, which made the score uh, look closer. But this was, I believe, a 17-15 or 17-16 Seattle lead uh, in the fourth quarter before they pulled away. Um, So the Seahawks will take anything positive around their defense right now because they're essentially just like the Cowboys are a great offense with a horrific defense and they're one and three. The Seahawks maybe aren't as bad on defense as Dallas has been. They've had some better moments, but they have they have a similar problem where they're fantastic on offense, can't get stops on defense, but they were better today and they're 4 and 0 now for the second time ever in their season and Russell Wilson is matching Peyton Manning's touchdown record pace through the first four games of the season. Hmm. What do you have to hold on
4: to if you're a Dolphins fan? You think right now, not to go negative, but well, I, I, I was like Flores, that. but I don't. I just don't know what it is. This team, it, it just feels like a. Tra- it feels like a second straight transition year, I
3: guess. Yeah, is, I was thinking about that I was, after the game because especially when you talk about the quarterback position, because Fitzpatrick has been good on balance. Again, yeah. he's he's steady. He he's fun to watch. Uh, he has his up moments. He has his down moments. He's Ryan Fitzpatrick, uh, but you're one in three. If if Tua is healthy wouldn't you at this start to begin thinking about the process of turning it over and beginning to evaluate him and, and kind of officially start this next era of dolphins football? I don't know. Maybe the hip injury that suffered in college. I know he's cleared and all that. And I think he was the backup quarterback on Sunday, which is a sign again, they believe that he's healthy. You just wonder, even though Ryan Fitzpatrick has been Ryan Fitzpatrick, uh, whether they're getting closer to that decision. Hmm.
5: Yeah, I wondered if they were waiting to see, let Ryan Fitzpatrick play to see how good the rest of the team was and whether it's worth rushing him in there behind, you know, probably the rawest offensive line there is. Um, But they've outperformed expectations, I think, up front.
4: Yeah, the defense, they want to get, you know, they have a lot of young players in defense, a lot of free agent additions. So I think they're, they're hoping that they... Improve as the season goes along, but they're they're not there yet. I mean, the C- I, I just look at the Seahawks being 4-0 and you think of who's undefeated in the NFC and it's just like, wow, this, this NFC playoffs is going to be... I know it's a little early for this, but it's just kind of amazing to think that the playoffs could be Rodgers, Russ, Brady, Breeze, um, you know, McVay may, maybe gets back in there or whatever. It's just like the quarterbacks, it's outrageous. I, I like the idea of like the... the the top heavy Seahawks, you know, getting a top seed.
3: Yeah. We we're. Talk- I know we're not allowed to talk MVP talk on the show, Greg, you've decided that, but a quarter poll,
4: you can at least like do the MVP of the oh. first
3: quarter. How about that? Oh, okay. You know, that's okay. good. Well, I was going to talk about, you know, the all pro call that I made with Aaron Rodgers, which I feel good about, but then you look at like, what else is going on? How many guys get all pro two, right? Two. Okay. So you have what Dak Prescott's doing. You have uh, what Russell Wilson's doing. Uh, you have what Josh Allen's doing. I mean, even a great season yeah. by Aaron Rodgers, there's some truly badass quarterbacks. Dak would be seasons. fourth right now, which
4: is crazy. He would not – I think that the other three would, would be Who's splitting fourth? up the votes. Dak would be fourth out of that group, and I think – Right. He would be throws for 7,000 yards. Right. Well, I you mean, just didn't so even f-
5: say Mahomes. Right. <laughs> or, or Mahomes. Mahomes. Excuse me, of course, Patrick Mahomes. I'm just saying guy. if you had to vote fourth.
4: today, if they had to vote today, I think that's what would happen, yeah. I don't think
5: Dak's yeah. a top four MVP guy.
3: Um, and good to see Chris Carson out there, by the way, he was a game time decision, uh, after he got his knee twisted, he actually scored twice, averaged five yards of carry. So that's also good news. Uh, and we'll see if Seahawks get Jamal Adams back next week and start to get healthier, uh, and can turn this into a trend that the defense is on the upswing. Good battle by the dolphins, but not good enough. All right. Are we bringing on our friend Nick shook now? Is that, is it that time of the show? Ooh. It's time for the handoff. Two handsome bald whites. Uh, only one can stay on the show, though. One must arrive, then one must leave. Can't have two. Can't have two. Zero sum game with our handsome bald whites.
5: Yeah, Shuck's looking oh, fresh. Well Not, the beard here. is looking well quaffed. Nice. I like it. <laughs> All right. Bath time for me. We'll see. You. We'll see. You, All right, Wes.
3: Enjoy. <laughs> Later, Wes. Nothing <laughs> like a little what game bath, on. bath time. He's going <laughs> to light some candles, burn some incense. And take a bath. I never, I haven't taken a bath since I was a child because <laughs> I find the idea of a bath repulsive. Like it's, you're basically going there to cleanse yourself, but you're bathing in your own filth. Well, you like, gotta, you wash yourself first, and then you fill up the bath. How
1: many people well, do I would, that? Though? I would wash the bath first because it's also well, we do. The other people's feet and you
4: know people <laughs> you taking a lot of baths, Greg. I mean, I that's what you do. You, you wash
3: yourself first, and then you fill it up that's the move well I like that you I about can't that. even I've gotten it's gotten increasingly worse for me uh, where I'm not really going in too many public pools either I think about it too much maybe it's having kids and you realize just how gross uh younger humans are and then half the older humans the hygiene's probably not where it needs to be shook where are you on this before we get into the next game
6: I mean I feel like that's just a waste of um water uh, and, and a long process <laughs> I mean if you're out to really relax. I guess you do that. I, I, I will say my grandparents live out in rural Ohio and they built their house. I think like when I was an infant or whatever, and part of the house construction was this really nice bathtub with jets in it. And that is an experience that is worth taking a bath. But if we're here strictly to efficiently clean yourself and you got other stuff to do, Bath's out of the equation. Well, then I mean, of a, course not. A a bath, bath is, is always l- a luxuriating.
1: Yeah. Right. I mean, I think Wes is doing it, for instance, not, he's not like, I must clean my body. He's doing it right. for the, for the sensation of being in warm water, which essentially takes us back to mm. the womb. What I mean, was it's, Greg's
3: excuse for his well, daily bath?
4: I don't take any actually at my house because it's too small. Um, but I've taken, yeah, I'm just saying that's, that's the move. Um, and Wes does it and watches Game Pass, which is next level. He puts on, like, he's getting Justin Herbert.
3: Oh, out there, maybe a That's bottle good. of
4: conditioner nearby and he's going to town.
3: And then the other thing <laughs> don't is, don't get too I think excited.
1: This is also,
3: you know, uh, factored in my thoughts on it. When you have two young sons and they share a bath together and sometimes it's like, oh, Harry, did you did you use the potty before you got in?" He's like, no, you know what happened. <sighs> they don't care. These kids don't care. All right. Shook, thank you for joining us. We got you <laughs> set up with uh, a couple games here before Sunday Night Football, so let's dig in.
2: Now Burrow will line up in the shotgun, even though it's third and less than a yard. He'll hand it to Mixon. Go Mixon show. bursting Go to show. the middle, to yeah. the 10, the 5, Woo. touchdown! Joe Mixon and the Bengals, his third of the day.
3: Dan. 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 Dan or is it O-R? Joe Mixon. He spent part of his weekend in the hospital with mysterious chest pains. But he looked fine on Sunday. Rushed for 151 yards and 25 carries and two touchdowns. Had another touchdown on a uh, swing pass reception from Joe Burrow. 33-25 win over the Jaguars. Shook, that was the first win of Burrow's career. But the story here is... Joe Mixon. Breakout
6: performance. So, for the entire season up to this week, the Bengals had inexplicably gone away from Joe Mixon. And it didn't make any sense, especially with a rookie quarterback. What are the two things you give a rookie quarterback to try to make him feel comfortable, especially when you don't have a good offensive line. One is a tight end that he can rely on. And two is a reliable running game so that he doesn't have to drop back 50 times a game, which is what the Bengals primarily did for the first three weeks. Then around halftime today, It's like somebody went down to the sideline at Paul Brown Stadium, grabbed Zach Taylor by the shirt, social distancing totally violated, slapped him around twice and said, hey, you got Joe Mixon on your roster, give him the football. So he did. 25 times, 151 carries, two touchdowns. The first touchdown kind of serving as the score that broke through the wall for the Bengals, I think, through this season because far too often, and especially in the first half, Sunday – Their offense just ran into these issues and they got down in the red zone. It just felt a little constrained. It's almost like they tried to do too much. And then they said, all right, well, let's hand the ball to Joe Mixon. Let's dump it off to him. Let's figure out ways to get him the football. He scores on the right side, takes a shot after he scores. And it was like, oh, we forgot we had this guy. Look what he can do. And they rode him the rest of the way to a Mm. victory. And what this game really looked like before that point was very much what last week's game that ended in a tie with the Eagles looked like. Then they scored with Mixon, and it's like they just opened the floodgates or just opened their own expectations or understanding of reality that, hey, we can score the fo- – you know, we can score. I hate score the football or score the basketball, by the way, uh, even though I almost just said that. Uh, and we can win a game, and they won a game. So, you know, good mm. for them, and, and finally realizing that they have a good running back in their team. I Man, well, Burrow don't get the- is the – go ahead, Greg. No, you go. I
1: was going to say Burrow's the first – Player in NFL history to, to open his career with with three straight like with multiple 300 yard games like this, and I mean yeah. he just seems like he looks the part, and it's been a terrible situation for him. I mean he's been under duress nonstop, and I'm totally with you that they should have used Mixon more than they have. But I mean it's like record aside, some of these teams like you know if you're if you're a Chargers fan with Justin Herbert, if you're a Bengals fan with Joe Burrow, it's like the sun is still shining very brightly because mm. of what you found under center.
6: Yeah, of course, and and, and he was uh, impressive again. I mean, he totally looks the part. He's the real deal. I mean, I, I in all the games that I've watched him, he looks like a guy that you were right in spending the first, you know, the number one overall pick on, which oftentimes we've seen teams spend high picks on quarterbacks who just don't look the part when they get to the NFL. Joe Burrow looks like he's been in the NFL for five years, and he did again Sunday. But the problem was is they were trying to rely way too much on him in weeks past and, and going away from Joe Mixon and expecting Burrow to win the game single-handedly. And with the offensive line that they have – he just hasn't been able to do that. He's gotten him close. He got him close against Cleveland. He got him close against Philly. He even got him close in week one against Los Angeles. This time, he finally they finally went away, not away from him, but they used somebody other than just Joe Burrow, and it put them over the top. Now, the Jaguars... I I mean, they were exciting for the first two weeks. The last two weeks are the team that we expected to see, and I think the team that we're going to see for the majority of the season. It was a close game. For a while, we were in the tie zone, kind of. It was very much in play because they neither were really doing much, and they were within a score before the Bengals kind of finally pulled away. There were a few times in the first half, two in the red zone, where Joe Burrow had a chance to put the ball in the end zone. One time, it was a really nice pick by Miles Jack, who ripped the ball out of Drew Sample's hands. The other time, they just couldn't get it in there. Uh, and had to resort to a Randy Bullock field goal. So again, he's—I he, mean, he's—he's he's the guy. He, they have their quarterback. They just have to fix everything around him, or at least use the weapons around him. And Joe Mixon is a big part of that. Well, they're not going to play
4: the Jaguars every week. That's a difference. Yeah, I mean they had four plays over twenty yards in the first three weeks. For as as much as Burrow has looked good, they are the le- they were by far the least explosive offense in the league. I think they had eight or nine today. I watched this game by mistake, thinking it was my assignment. <laughs> Whoops! Um, but uh, I'm glad I knocked it out. They're very similar teams to me, and the difference was. Uh, the decision-making by Burrow is pristine when he's protected. I mean, you can't fault his offensive line today. He was protected pretty well today, uh, and obviously he got help with the running game, whereas uh, Minshew had a couple decisions when he chose to run on a third down um, that ended up in punts, and they were bad decisions, and the interception he threw was a bad decision. He played really well, I I would say, overall. They just have a very small margin for mm-hmm. error this defense and um, so if you make a couple and you have a coach who doesn't seem to realize what kind of team he has you know punting on fourth and short and kicking field goals on fourth and short I, you know Marone, Marone sometimes he's like he's playing to a defense that's not there Gruden, Gruden does that too
3: uh, poking around the box score here, Shook, I'm seeing because we brought him up earlier. So I'll bring him up again. A.J. Green had one catch for three yards on five targets. Is Oof. there anything? They had 25 receptions overall, the team for three. Higgins yards. looks
4: good, right? Yeah. yeah Is yeah. Green
3: just not a part of the game plan anymore? or Was uh, he, he injured or what?
6: He was a focus of Jacksonville's game plan for sure. Very often when he was targeted, there seemed to be at least two defenders in the area. There was a couple times where he was completely blanketed and couldn't come down with the catch. But you're right, like Greg said, T. Higgins was a big part. He looked good today. Tyler Boyd was a big part as well. They were the two guys who got the ball the most. Joe Burrow does a very good job, especially for a rookie, for not looking to A.J. Green and not relying on that. He's surveying the field and he's finding his open men, which, I mean, this Bengals team, if they were just a little bit better – Probably, Probably defensively, uh, and, and could avoid you know becoming too reliant on Burrow. They could win some football. They're competitive. They're yeah, competitive they're, right now. They've been close in every game they've been in.
3: Also, fair to ask you give Burrow credit for that, but it's possible that AJ Green is washed too, right? And right, yeah, he's not getting open anymore because he doesn't have the ability he once had.
1: I mean, what they also it? John Ross is a healthy scratch weeks in a row. I mean, I feel like yeah. that guy's out the door.
3: What
6: is it? Hashtag gradual decline. Uh, yeah. mm-hmm. I don't know if that's entirely true with A.J. Green, but yeah, he has not been a big part of this offense for the majority. Of the
3: so you know what the Browns messed up last year, Shook? When you were a team employee, and we still need to get the full details of what led to your early exit there, but if, you, if they had you as the muscle, you are talking about somebody that needs to go down to the sideline and straighten out a head coach that doesn't have his head on straight, if you were going down there and slapping around Freddie Kitchens – Tell them to get the ball to Nick more and Kareem Hunt and all this. Maybe the Browns would have been a playoff team last year.
6: Well, I mean, oh. I, I, Freddie and I had a pretty solid relationship. But that wasn't the issue. The issue was they had too many cooks in the kitchen there in the on the offensive
3: yeah, side you could take
1: out multiple cooks i mean i you know i think we all we all see where you're at
3: physically like multiple cooks would not be an issue. maybe they had one too many kitchens in that building as well uh, <laughs> oh there we go yeah i, mean, I right.
6: was i would never be i would never be an enforcer with todd munkin like have you seen him he's a skinny guy he's a nice guy you know mm. I, he's he's an offensive wizard at the college level now so you know Ooh. we're all good we're, I, I was going to get in there and cause problems all right Ooh. let's
3: move on <laughs>
2: Bridgewater retreats, climbs the pocket He's going to run with it Bridgewater cuts to the right at the 15, the 10 Bridgewater to the 5, unbelievable Teddy Bridgewater houses it From 21 yards away Sneaky fast
3: (laughs) Mick Mixon and Kirk Coleman with the call WBT Teddy Bridgewater, he's sneaky fast. The Panthers' QB scrambled and juked his way to an 18-yard scoring run. Added two passing scores, 31-21 win over the Cardinals. Uh, The Panthers uh, cool off the Cardinals. Actually, the Cardinals have cooled off precipitously after that 2-0 start. Shook, that was Teddy's first rushing TD since that devastating knee injury back in the summer of 16. He's an amazing story.
6: Yeah, he certainly is, and he had—he was very sharp today. You got to give a lot of credit to the game plan uh, put together by Joe Brady and the way he called the offense today. I thought for every situation, he had an answer to whatever Arizona presented him with defensively. And this is one of those games where you're seeing two middling teams or below middling and the coaching comes out as a difference and mm. the Panthers look like the more prepared team from the sideline today it's just they were one step ahead of the Cardinals for the majority of the game the Cardinals scored a touchdown late to make it a little bit closer but for a lot of today it was a Panthers dominated game and that started with Teddy I, You know, he when he had that rushing touchdown I said he had, did his best Sam Darnold impression because he escaped right up the middle for a touchdown but I don't think he's sneaky fast I think he's just fairly fast I mean we've known him to be an athlete he is for sneaky. a while He is
4: sneaky fast though he, everyone went, went too hard the other way of like when a couple people were like this guy can't scramble i mean this guy's a scrambler he's athletic when he was coming out and people like no like you're just saying that because he's black um actually he's more of a pocket guy, but sneaky fast seems right for me. And I think he's been The irony here, of course, is that usually sneaky fast is attributed to the white guys in the slot. He's the first, he's the first black quarterback to be called sneaky fast. (laughs) I think it's appropriate. And I think he's been getting faster. He's looked a little more athletic every year. And that was a big part of his game at Louisville. Not so much scrambling to run, uh, but evading pass rushers. I Mm -hmm. think he's done a good job. How about Matt rule, putting it on old cliff Kingsbury again from the big 12. I mean, uh, something, here when you're getting when you're getting Reggie Bonifant and Mike Davis to rush for 160 plus yards I'm I'm kind of in with you Mark uh, this Matt Rule thing is it's happening right Yeah now. And, and
1: people are like oh I mean, the thought was they would be you know progressing and and you know causing problems late in the year and they're already showing that they can coach well I have to ask you though Shook I mean when you look at the Cardinals do you think that what's going on here are there are teams maybe catching up to this scheme or is it Whoa, are they Kyler just simply Murray. not functioning
3: so Kyler I think, Murray, 4.3 yards per attempt today. Yeah. But it's Whoa. two weeks in a
1: row where they've, they've not looked um, at gabber. all like they did early in the, in the first two weeks.
6: Well, you know why? Because a lot of the Cardinals offense is predicated on Kyler Murray improvising and, and patching all the holes that they have by just running and gaining first downs and adding that element of the unexpected. And, and, you know, when they ran the ball effectively last year with Kenny and Drake, it came out of the shotgun by spreading guys out. Well, that's not working this time. I mean, the, the, they were creating lanes by lessening defenders in the box. That's just that element of that is not in their game today. Uh, Kenny Drake had 13 carries for 35 yards. I mean, that's not going to get you anything when when your quarterback is consistently outrushing everybody else. And you have to rely on that as a staple of your offense. Eventually, other defenses are going to catch up to it because that should be something that's improvisation, not something that's built into the way you succeed on a week-to-week basis. And it really hurt them today. And it especially doesn't help them when they have to come from behind. Their defense did them no favors. Like I said, they were. I think they were out schemed uh, for the majority of this game, and I, and I think that the Cardinals are going to have a tough path because those first games that they won early in the season, a lot of that, especially against San Francisco, for example, those first downs were converted by Kyler Murray with his legs, and I just don't think that's a sustainable way to win a game.
4: Yeah. 11 throws to non-DeAndre Hopkins wideouts for 26 yards. Yeah. That's Uh-oh. that's not the Gabbard zone. That's like the Cincinnati Reds batting average zone. I mean, that is rough. <laughs> the Panthers,
3: and this is why sports are funny, Panthers now 0-2 with Christian McCaffrey, 2-0 and without, which takes us to Sunday Night Football. Oh,
1: Sunday.
3: 25-yard line,
2: Mullins throws, and it's picked off, and all the way to the end zone, touchdown, Alex Singleton. So Mullins makes a terrible throw, Singleton is right there, and there they are celebrating in front of the big screen. Woo, baby.
3: Who baby, indeed, Al Michaels with the call for NBC, Alex Singleton. Right place, right time uh, for the special te- special teamer who steps in front of that Nick Mullins pass, takes it to the house. Turned out to be the clinching score for the Philadelphia Eagles, who hold on for a 25 to 20 win over the San Francisco 49ers at the big bell bottom. A huge win. The Eagles, who, as the old saying goes, spent most of the game on offense making it look like they were on a 120-yard field going uphill both ways. But Carson Wentz with a long touchdown pass to put them ahead, followed quickly by that pick six, and uh, Nick Shook. The Eagles are in first place as a result. It was ugly, but I don't think this Eagle team could win or get their
6: first one of the year any other way than than in ugly fashion um, (laughs) against a team that was, you know, I I don't know if it was – equally as shorthanded, probably more shorthanded. The Eagles have had their own rash of injuries, of course. I mean, we saw who scored, you know, a touchdown tonight. A guy who has no statistics recorded prior to tonight uh, in Travis Fulgham. So, uh, an interesting game. Uh, an exciting game at the end, sure, if, uh, if you thought that Beathard could actually throw it to the end zone. But, uh, hey, the Eagles are off the schneid, right? He did throw it to the end zone. Uh, Beathard got, I mean, it is crazy that
4: after the Eagles kind of sat on the ball and didn't pick up a third and nine oh, Bethard, I hated that. after Ugh. replacing Nick Mullins and we can you know get into Nick Mullins just having a nightmarish night uh, from the first from the jump. I mean he missed his first two throws by a mile including what could have been a, a monster one to use Chick and uh, Bethard put a, a Hail Mary up there from about the 35-40 that that literally hit George Kittle and Debo Samuel in the hands. So it's like it was that, it was that close, but uh, the Eagles almost felt like they deserved this one. Um, I don't know. The way the defense uh, got after Nick Mullins was, was pretty good, and just it just felt like a miracle. The two long drives that they did have on offense, the touchdown drive in the first half and the field goal drive to start uh, the second half, which took about eight minutes. It just felt like that was such an achievement for them that it was like, hey, okay, enjoy your first place. You're 1-2-1, <laughs> Eagles fans.
1: I thought coming out of the half that the Niners, they put together this drive. You know, that third quarter was one of those almost rare quarters where only two drives would have um, occupied in the entire period, but there was a little bit of a third one in there. But the Niners had a touchdown drive that covered 75 yards that I thought was sort of a Kyle Shanahan and almost Nick Mullins special where there was a a bullet to Brandon Ayuk. uh, McKinnon got involved. There was a classic nod to Mike Shanahan with a shuffle pass that John Elway used to run with the Broncos back in the 90s. And then everything fell apart from there. It was followed by a punt, the fumble, the interception, the quarterback switch, and there you go. Niners could not get it done.
3: I they you know they go up uh, eighteen fourteen when Wentz uh, connects with uh, Fulgham for forty two yards then the pick six and the game looks like it's effectively done at that point twenty five fourteen Beathard comes in uh, and gives the, the Niners a spark and after onside kick recovery I just I you know especially Doug Peterson a guy who helped bring the league along and being aggressive on fourth down. I didn't understand the way they played that. They ran the ball for a yard. They ran the ball for no gain. And then Wentz did that annoying little thing where the quarterback takes the snap and then scrambles and then slides down like Michael Strahan's chasing him for the sack record. You know, not being aggressive Whereas just go get, go get a first down. Just go get a first down and, and, and show some um, gumption. But I guess – Doug Peterson is that's where he's at with his offense. Even coming off of the touchdown pass on the drive before, there was three and a half quarters of evidence saying that Philadelphia is not an offense to be trusted right now. But, you know, they got away with it, uh, but it was definitely a closer call than it should have been. Uh, but that shouldn't, that doesn't kind of mar the night for me, especially since they still won. I, I think it's commendable. Uh, Carson Wentz has gotten a ton of heat this year, and he's deserved some of it because he hasn't played well. But yeah, he is really dealing, uh, it's got a stacked deck against him. And, you know, the offensive line is beat up right now. His left tackle was in and out of the lineup, the wide receivers. So many pieces are missing, and it just seems like such a challenge. Even against an injury-depleted 49ers defense, it was very difficult to find receivers who were open. So you give, you give wins credit for hanging in there and keeping this game close and then making the big strike to take control.
1: Well, he's got Adrian Killens in there. You've got Travis Fulgham. But I would just say if you're going to use Jalen Hurts, that's fine. But have those plays make sense. Have, the, the offense to me, the Eagles offense, like pretty much post-Frank Reich, but I'll just speak about this night, like – I don't think they kind of know what they want to be, and maybe they can't with the personnel in there, but like Miles Sanders, to me, like I'm not nearly as impressed with this guy as some people around the country seem to be. Like they, the, When they were dominant back when they went to the Super Bowl, I think the thing that is forgotten, because they've never been that way since, they had a pounding run game that would beat people up down the stretch. They were the third best run game in the league, and that's completely absent right now.
6: I mean, I think that's kind of indicative of the fact that they've lost so much in the offensive line. I mean, not having Brandon Brooks <laughs> is a big deal. Having to shift Jason Peters over is a big deal. Having to figure out what to do with left guard.
1: But and, they weren't you know, last left. year either. Like,
6: yeah. And, and you know. they were right.
4: Right. I mean, they weren't th- this banged up. I mean, they, I think they think this is a, this is a freaking miracle that they just won a game without, you You know, you mentioned Lane Johnson coming in and out. So four of their five offensive linemen uh, were out Their Top receivers, uh, were Fulham. Greg Ward was kind of their number one. You got Richard Rogers uh, coming over from Green Bay. You got Hightower, your fifth round pick. Uh, their defensive line is totally healthy and was deep. And to me, it was the difference in the, in this game. You know, Brandon Graham was killing Mike McGlinchey. Those are two starters, actually. McGlinchey is the 49ers starter. Uh, Josh Sweat made plays like they up and down their bench. That was kind of the, the most dominant part of this game. But Mullins also kind of just didn't show up.
3: Yeah, I think Mullins uh, right. is the big is the big takeaway from me here I think they lost the game because of Nick Mullins it's not it stinks to put it on one player but when it's the quarterback that's the way sometimes things go in football because you look at this team and if I'm a Niners fan I'm bummed because I'm two and two now but at the same time you see the pieces are there George Kittle came back and is absolutely just such a dominant player Um, he's the toughest tackle in football Debo Samuel's back in the lineup and he made some plays he just looks different and and he's he's Big and he's fast. And then Brandon Ayuk, you saw he flashed that special ability on the touchdown. Once Jimmy G gets back in there, I think the Niners are going to be okay and continue to hang in the race, but it doesn't make this loss any easier to swallow because hmm. you're at home against the injury ravaged Eagles team and you don't find a way uh, to get it done.
6: Yeah, I, you know, going back to that Eagles' offense point, it felt kind of like they, you know, Doug Peterson's just searching for something. Right. I mean, the whole, the whole Jalen Hurts insertion and and everything they tried with him, they tried to th- basically double pass, and he turned to throw it, and it was obviously covered because you had an idea of what they were going for with Hurts lined about wide. It just, it, it just feels like they're searching and they're trying to find something that sticks. They're throwing everything at the wall, and they finally get a win. So I mean, it, it is a, it's, it's a boost for them because going back to Philly, oh three and one would have been really difficult. Um, especially against a team that's quarterbacked by Nick Bollins and then later C.J. <laughs> Beathard. So you, get, you obviously give them credit to the defense, like you said, but it's still, uh, going forward, it's going to be tough.
4: And they have to play the Ravens and the Steelers coming up next. Everyone in the <laughs> NFC counts a little extra, though. This this was yeah. kind of a perfect sun, uh, example, though, of part of what is 2020 football. I think it's been a little under-reported, almost, or just the level of injuries is outrageous they're just this isn't normal to have entire teams ravaged like we're we're kind of getting the on the 49ers for not beating this injury banged up Eagles team but the 49ers are missing nine or ten starters and so are the Eagles like that is rare and there's about six or seven teams that are like that and even the teams that are kind of healthy it's like you know the the Browns who lose Ogunjobi and Chubb today e- even during this game the 49ers lose uh, Ziggy Anza sounds like to a biceps injury maybe for, maybe for the season. It's like they got Deion Jordan. They're picking up lottery guys that, that were that were out of the league and just like putting them right in. And it's kind of the story of the league right now. There are some teams that are just so wiped out. It's a little hard to even like make an evaluation of any of these teams. Right.
1: But I think, Greg, I think we like people widely praised the Niners for being right. super injured and pounding two bad New York teams they played a, a banged up team tonight and they lost. So it's like, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if the statistically there are more injuries or not. I, it seems like there are, but it feel like there, we are, this conversation there are in every terms year. of
4: like multiple, multiple guys. In terms of like half of a team of starters being out on like five teams, it's it, there that that never happened. So I guess I'm just giving the 40. 49ers uh, fans, they're going to get some people back, like Dan said. The Cavalry is coming. They, they went 2-2. Two two. If you can beat the Dolphins next week, you're 3-2. I
1: mean, you've also picked the Eagles to go to the Super Bowl, so you've got both fan bases um, on the Greg Rosenthal side here. We know how this works. There's going to be a little campaign. Greg does this with two or three teams a week. Tries to reach out to their fan base on Twitter. Dan knows what I'm talking like about. I just like
4: football. What are you talking about? No, it's I mean, not. Uh, we all like football. I picked the 49ers that's not, that's not, that's to
6: uh, miss the playoffs. I'm so sorry I'm you're here for this, playoff. Nick. Did, did we get a mention of Saints Twitter yet? Exactly. <laughs> oh,
3: <no. laughs> we got to start ringing a bell for that. Hey, Shook, I want to thank you for doing the show. I know, obviously, this has been a tough time for you after uh, the Indians crapped the bed against the Yankees in the playoffs for you know another year. Tough, tough stitch for you. But you know, cool. you're a good sport for coming on the show.
6: Well, you know, Dan, um, if we could ever level the playing field in terms of salary uh, spending uh, for, for rosters, you know, maybe a salary cap or, or oh. better revenue sharing or, oh, oh I don't know, um, something to compare the payrolls at all, well, then maybe we'd be on an even playing field and then uh, we could talk seriously. But, uh, you know, the Indians, always <laughs> undermanned in terms of finances, even if their owners turn a $30 million a year profit. Give or take, you
3: got to get uh, an owner who spends some money. They sure. fault
6: value. they're never going to spend money here. It's it's a it's a deep conversation that we cannot do on this podcast. The last time they spent money I mean, well, was when are, I was a but... kid in the '90s with the Jacobs, and those guys are long gone. It's tough.
3: Yeah, your, your Cy Young winner's got to do better than that, though, in that spot. Well, you wanna uh, talk about I, the salary cap. Go ahead or the lack. Yeah, cap. Just yeah.
1: let him allow allow Nick to enjoy one of the rare Browns victories <laughs> of his lifetime versus bringing up. Still well, do I Indians get to enjoy news. anything?
3: I am a Jets fan, so You're a Yankees maybe this fan. is my chance to have something nice in my life. Maybe it all balances out a little bit. Mm. I mean, I feel like I, the I, Yankees
1: I, are a pretty nice thing to have in your life in general as a
6: Yeah, yeah, it must fan. be nice, you know, to be able to look back on, on a few world series in your lifetime unlike I have to go back to my <laughs> great grandfather uh, to find uh, the Indians' uh, last world series. And you know what? Uh, one more thing, the Browns, like you said, Mark, <laughs> The Browns, they're now 3-1 and one for the first time since 2001. They opened mm. that season with a loss to the Seattle Seahawks, 9-6 to at Cleveland Browns Stadium. Ricky Waters was on that roster, among other people. I opened 2001 by playing flag football on the field at Cleveland Browns Stadium. That's how long it's been since the Browns <laughs> were in any shape of contention mm. at this point in the regular season. I was in fourth grade. Mm.
3: It's all <laughs> changing, good. though. It's
6: been a while.
4: Lots of changing. changing. It's important. It's important to get self worth from whether your team succeeds <laughs> or not. So this is big. Like, this is the this is what's going to make you rise.
3: Imagine if we all had the clarity that Greg has on all things in life. Uh, yeah, as I a, mean, as a, a Patriots it must be and be Red
1: Sox fan who, you know, you've got like 86 titles under your I didn't album. do
4: anything for them. They give me nothing. Well, I, they don't make we'll reach reality. that level of stoicism
1: after understanding what any success is. <laughs> the guy's just on like a higher plane. He you is. know would, living it's
4: vision over corona.
3: visibility with Greg you I'm know?
4: just saying don't let these losers control you when they're being losers you're a winner shook you the three all all four of us are winners here like uh, sometimes an organization is just a bunch of losers uh, and when they are you recognize it and our colleague, you got a
3: nice brown friend you're nice our psychologist <laughs> Greg Rosenthal that's very la of you Greg um, all right <laughs> yes. well, let's get out of here shook thank you again uh, for uh, being our tag team partner here on Sunday nights you're a uh, great value add uh, to the show and we'll be back on Tuesday with a action packed around the NFL podcast breaking down not one but two games including Chiefs Patriots Uh, uh, the last word I'll give to Al Michaels uh, or I should say Chris Collinsworth um, who said in response to Al saying our buddies Jim Nance and Tony Romo are still in Kansas City Collinsworth replies so Romo is going to do Monday night after all which just slayed Al, because Al, of course, is involved in the Monday Night Courtship, supposedly, reportedly, uh, in the offseason. All right, that's it. Den heads is signing off for... Quiet Storm. Nick Shook, the mailman, the old boss, and Ricky Hollywood behind the virtual glass. Until Tuesday.
2: Get
0: in zone,
2: AutoZone. Welcome to AutoZone. What are you working on today? Ah, thinking about gas mileage. You know, changing your oil with a full synthetic oil like Castrol Edge can help your engine get more miles. Right now, you can get 5 quarts with an STP Extended Life Oil Filter for only $36.99. Get started on your next job today with the parts you need when you need them at AutoZone or AutoZone.com. Get in
0: the zone,
5: AutoZone.
2: Restrictions apply.